So on the seashore, every pool and puddle left by the retreating tide seems to have a crab in it. And the little ones, they scuttle sideways, squeezing under rocks or peering from a small patch of seaweed left on the shore. And occasionally, they muster up the courage and venture out and nibble on unwary human toes. And on the beach, shells of crabs of all sizes lay or come washed up by the waves. And some are from crabs that have died. Others are simply discarded. Uh, They became a dwelling too small for its growing occupant. You see, that's how crabs grow bigger. When their shells get too tight, they actually split open their shell and then they grow a new one. Now, I've never talked with a crab, but I imagine that the process of splitting open a shell must be pretty painful. And I'm sure that until they grow a new shell, they feel terribly defenseless and probably very vulnerable. And I can make that guess and that assumption because that's how we humans feel when our shells crack as well. And our shells obviously aren't visible like crabs, that would be pretty terrifying, but they are there, just the same shells that we wear that are formed by our years of habits, shells that we wear that protect us from other people, shells that are roles that we play as parents or as children or bosses or employees. And every now and again, our shells begin to crack. And then finally they break and we emerge into a new world, oftentimes quivering and defenseless. Think about it this way, teenagers do it as they become adults, no wonder they get crabby all the time. Thank you, that's the loudest laugh I've got on that joke all day. Adults learn to do it as they learn to quit ruining their kids' lives or when they get laid off from work or a husband, or a wife, or a loved one dies. When an investment fails, when a dream disappears, these are all traumas and moments in our lives that crack our shells until we finally break. And when we break, a new and vulnerable life begins. And like a crab, the longer our shells have been growing around us, the harder they are to break open. To start again, and unfortunately, the longer we wear our shells, the more painful it also becomes when they break. And some of these shells have been worn for generations. Our beliefs, for example, can be a shell that's handed down by our ancestors. And some of those beliefs are certainly worth keeping. But others become like prisons. They become shells so encrusted with barnacles of the past, so burdened with trailing weeds that slow us down. They become so constricting, we can no longer move when life calls. You see, no one looks for painful experiences in our lives or our beliefs. Nobody wants that. And to avoid the pain, sometimes we prefer to stay locked into our shells that don't even fit anymore, rather than risk the vulnerability of cracking them open and having to be defenseless. But when a crab shell becomes too thick or too protective or too tough to crack open and start again, the crab doesn't grow. And when it doesn't grow, 
it dies. And so do we. Friends, nobody searches for or seeks out painful experiences. I think we can all agree on that fact. But oftentimes in the pursuit of happiness or comfort or joy in this life, some turbulence often comes along with that. And some change becomes necessary in our lives. And today we're talking about baptism. Across our services today, uh, we are celebrating four baptisms. Two infants, a young child, and a mother. It is an awesome day in the life of our church. And today we get to bear witness to the love of God through the water and the spirit. We all take part in baptism and that's why we're talking about it. It's not just the family or the child or it's not just about the pastor or anyone particular. It's about all of us. We all play a part in baptism. And today we get to share in a vulnerable moment where we get to watch, in this case, a very tiny shell fall away. And we all get to play a role and a part in helping that new shell grow. In the fourth chapter of Ephesians, Paul writes this. Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live life, a life worthy of the calling you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Making every effort to keep unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is definitely diversity within the body of Christ, but I think that's what makes it so amazing and so beautiful. As Christians, we profess and we believe that there is, Paul, as Paul says in the scripture, one body, one spirit, one faith, and one baptism. And so I want to take just a moment and talk about how, even though we within this congregation alone may be so different, have such different faith journeys and stories, we are all united together by a few things. And the first one that Paul mentions, well, let me pause there. The teaching notes are in your bulletin this week. If you're one of the folks that likes to follow along and do the fill in the blanks, uh, your first empty box is coming up now. So first off, there is, Paul says, the one body. And what he means by this is that it's the body of Christ or the church. And we are all a part of this global church through either our baptism, our decision to become a member of Christ's holy church, or membership. We join a local church. And this isn't just, in our case, Cypress Lake United Methodist Church or the United Methodist Church, but rather this is the one true church everywhere. Paul then talks about the one spirit. And what he's talking about here is God in the form of the Holy Spirit who works and moves in all of our lives in every moment of every day. And in baptism, the Holy Spirit is at work in the person wanting to become baptized, professing their faith. Or in our situation today at this service, the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of the parents and the family and those who love this little child. 
The Holy Spirit isn't just working in them, though. It's he's working in all of us. This is our commitment as a church to love and to raise and nurture this child. The Spirit as it work. God's one Spirit. Paul then talks about the one faith. And this is our shared faith in the triune God, which means God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, that one spirit. And within the global church all around the world and across mainline Protestant or Christian denominations in the United States, uh, we disagree about little parts of this, little discrepancies. How do we explain the Holy Spirit or how Jesus could do this? And we might argue about those things, but we all believe in the one fact that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the only way in which we can receive eternal life. It's the only way in which our sins can be forgiven, which we can be made new in the image of God. When we, ca- when we commit our lives to follow Jesus Christ, when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives, we become a part of the one true faith. That's how we're even able to have the sacrament of baptism, because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And finally, Paul mentions our one baptism. And we believe that one baptism is sufficient. We believe that it is God in the form of the Holy Spirit working in the water and in the words of the baptismal ceremony. And that since God and the Holy Spirit are involved, they do it right the first time. We believe you only need to be baptized one time. And I know there's many folks who have been baptized a couple of times. And that's really exciting. It's an exciting moment to be baptized or to recommit your life to Christ but we believe that one baptism is sufficient for our needs and for our salvation. So the question then becomes, all right, we've talked about baptism, we've talked about crabs breaking their shells and being challenged to move forward and new. So I want to now answer the question, what is baptism? And why is it that important? Why is it such an important thing in the life of our faith and in our church? And baptism is important because it is one way that God takes something ordinary, in this case, water, and through the power of the Holy Spirit makes it extraordinary. And it's only one of two sacraments or the holy mysteries in our church, the other one being Holy Communion. And baptism is special because with the water and the power of the Holy Spirit in it, that living water We're able to tangibly feel and experience God's grace. And when I talk about God's grace, I hope you all saw our church sign this week. Uh, It said this, God's grace meets us where we are, but doesn't leave us where it found us. We get to feel and experience and know more about God's grace through the power of baptism. When we invite God into our lives and God's grace begins to work or we begin to recognize it already has been working, we don't stay the same people. We're constantly being made new. We're constantly trying to become more devout disciples and learn more about what it means to be a Christian. And the only way we can do that is with God working in us. God's grace is sufficient and it is in the waters of baptism. And we also believe that the baptism is God's gift to persons of any age. 
And it's important because we believe there is that one baptism and it's the source of our salvation. And it's the gracious love of God that gives that to us. And in our church, in our tradition, uh, we do things a little differently because we baptize infants. We baptize small children and not all churches do that. And we believe that whether it's an infant or adult, that that grace, that grace that works in us before we even know who God is or what grace is, works in us by initiating those feelings in us, by enabling us to make decisions, to follow the path, and then it empowers us to tell others and to live a life that God calls us to. And those same three things are the same for all people of all ages. And we all stand in need of God's grace, every single one of us. And the obvious difference being between adults who want to be baptized and infants or children is that the adult is professing their faith. And it's a, a way of showing that they believe in Jesus Christ. In this case today, with a child, it's the parents saying that we commit to raising our child in the life of the church. And that last word's the one that gets us in a little bit of trouble because the church, that's all of us. We play a part in this as a community of faith. And so as I was thinking a little bit more about baptism and I started to think about my own baptism and I was baptized as an infant and I found some photos of me. There's my mom and my dad, Phil and Betsy, and uh, my really cool little dress. Bryce, when you watch this one day, you better thank your mom and dad for dressing you so cool and not putting you in a dress. Oh, there's a really good one. Oh, yeah, that, there's a winner. And then the next one, there's me. I was yawning in church from a very young age. And then the last one we have here is, uh, that's my mom and my dad. And me, at, I told you before, my home church is First United Methodist in Ocala, the senior and associate pastor. And that man on the far left there, uh, that's my grandfather, Bob Bledsoe. Uh, so I, I share those photos with you because they're special to me and I want you all to share in my journey of faith and what led me here. But I really share them with you because when I think about the words of our baptismal vows, it's not just the parents and the family agreeing, but rather I'm going to ask you all some questions in a few minutes too. And I'm going to expect a really loud response. I'll go ahead and tell you now. But we're all committing and saying that we're in this together. We are one body and one faith united in one baptism together through God's one Holy Spirit. Baptism involves all of us. And in baptism, we are all cleansed of our sins. And our original sin is included in that, that inherited sin that we receive from the fall. In the very beginning of our scriptures with Adam and Eve, that's forgiven. We're initiated into a covenant or a relationship with God. We are admitted into the church and made an heir of God's divine kingdom. We've talked a little bit about the kingdom of God before and how that is everything we can see and everything beyond what we can't see. The farthest reaches of the galaxies belong to God and they are part of God's kingdom. And we, through our baptism, are made heirs of that. And we are spiritually born a new person. I want to say that again. In, in baptism, we are cleansed of all of our sins and our original sin. We're initiated into covenant with God. We're admitted into the church and made an heir of God's kingdom, all while being spiritually born a new person. 
And the church affirms that children being born into the brokenness of the world we live in, we live in a world with sin and with suffering and with pain. And that since children are born into that and they are heirs of the kingdom of God just as adults are, that they are allowed to receive that saving grace in the waters of baptism just as adults are. And through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are made members of that. We are incorporated by God's mighty acts. This is God working in our lives for our salvation. And we are given new life through the water and the spirit. And get this, this is all God's gift to us without price. God will do all of those things for us without price. And without price, God bestows the Holy Spirit on the baptized person. And this is God's way of working before our baptisms, during them, and then after and forever. Think of it this way. Baptism is like a wedding ring. Baptism is a symbol and it's meant to show the world that you love, trust, and have put your hope in Jesus Christ. So it's like a wedding ring because that is an outward symbol of the commitment that you have made in your heart and a commitment that has to be followed through and carried out on a daily basis. Just as every morning when you wake up and you're married and you have to tell yourself, I am fully committed to this person and involving them in my life today. We have to make that decision every day to be in relationship. So it is with our faith. We have to wake up every day and say, today, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be a better disciple. But let's take this a little bit further. Let's say I'm not married right now, but I put a wedding ring on my finger. Would that make me married? No, of course not. But similarly, I can be baptized in the church. I can go through the motions. I can do the things and have the water put on my head. But that doesn't necessarily make me a believer in Jesus Christ. But imagine that I really was married, though. And my wife and I really did go through the marriage ceremony. And it was, and I just didn't have my ring on my finger that one day. I forgot it at home. Would that mean I wasn't married? Okay, we're still awake. It's only like six or seven more minutes, I promise. But of course I would still be married if we had gone through the ceremony, but I had just forgotten my ring. But similarly, I can be a believer of Jesus Christ and not baptized. If I've committed my life to Christ, my sins are still forgiven by God, even though I haven't had that public declaration of my faith in baptism. But the last thing I want you to imagine is, imagine that I truly was married, and I really, really, really loved my wife. Would I wear my wedding ring? Yes, of course. I love my wife, and I would want the whole world to know that. And in that same way, if I have trusted Christ to save me from my sin, and he is the Lord and joy of my life, I would want everyone to know about it. So baptism is a statement to everyone who sees it and participates in it and who has been baptized that I trust in Christ for my salvation and I'm committed to living for him. And when I think about what that means, I was led to another scripture from 1 Peter, the third chapter, verses 21 and 22. It says this, baptism saves you. 
not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and power subject to him. Baptism is important because it's a public declaration that the person being baptized, their family, and our church believe in Jesus' saving work on the cross. We believe that Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father, and through him and through the power of the Spirit, we're able to be in covenant, in relationship with them, to be heirs of the divine kingdom. But to do that, we all have to admit that there is sin in our lives. We have brokenness in our lives. We have wounds. We have shells. And we have the ability through baptism and through being in a relationship with Jesus Christ to break out of those shells and not fear that we will be completely defenseless. Why? Because God is on our side. God is working with us. God's spirit never leaves us. And the other nice part about us breaking out of our shells and becoming who God wants us to be is we're members of a church, a church who is there to support us and a church for us to lean on in our times of need. In our lives, we have to be willing to change, but to do so, at least spiritually, we have to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. We have to name that we have sin and we all are in need of God's grace. Just as little crabs grow out of their small shells, we have to do that as well. We have to examine the way that we're living our lives, the way that we're talking with people and being in relationship with our neighbor, and ask God, is this really the way you want me to be doing this? And if it's not, we have to be ready for some of the pain of removing that shell and being made new in the image of God. It's almost like we take bricks, brick by brick, over the times of our lives, and we build little walls around our hearts, like a shell. And faith is us taking those bricks one by one and giving them to God and saying, I will do what you want me to do. The waters of baptism give us a chance to be made new, to be made clean, and to begin again. As you leave today, oh, we've got a little gift for each of you. Uh, it's a, a shower tag. And what this is, is it's a little prayer. And I want to invite you to take one and put it in your shower or in your restroom or someplace where you'll see it. And I want to ask you all to pray this prayer each time uh, you get in the shower. And it says this, Lord, as I enter the water to bathe, I remember my baptism. Wash me by your grace. Fill me with your spirit. Renew my soul. I pray that I might live as your child today and honor you in all that I do. Fill me with your spirit, renew my soul, and I pray that I might live as your child today and honor you in all that I do. Our shells can be really comfortable sometimes. We can feel really safe inside of them. But God doesn't call us just to be still and be comfortable. God calls us to always be growing. And sometimes we have to break out of our shells and be vulnerable and defenseless and rely completely on God 
And that takes courage and that takes bravery. But luckily, God walks alongside of us each moment. And God never leaves us. So as you pray this prayer and as you remember your baptism or you think about becoming a baptized believer, know that there is no distance that God will not go to seek you out, to forgive you and tell you how much that God loves you. That's the promise we have for eternal life. That God loves us, that we are made new, and that our sins are forgiven. So may we remember our baptisms every day and may we live our lives differently because we have been cleansed of all of our sins and may we share that good news with all the world. Amen.